0: Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new Filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your Filtry air filters today at Filtry.com. Let's clear the air. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film pip Powder Donut. <clears throat>
1: Jordan Belt Bird Jordan
2: Belt Is going on, DJ Nation? Kenny Kim here, bringing you another Fantasy Golf Generous Podcast this week for the Valero Texas Open. And as usual, I am here with everybody's favorite Canadian, Tyler Tambolin. Tyler, how are you this week?
1: I'm doing well, Kenny. Excited to be back with you, man. We got a little bit of a match play situation to talk about here. We'll go through all that. How your week went? How my week went? Before we get into it, I want to remind everyone very quickly: this podcast is presented and sponsored by RotoGrinders.com. Head on over to RotoGrinders.com/slash/dgen. Get yourself ten bucks off the first month. I'll talk at the end of the show about all the stuff I've got going on there this week and with the Masters upcoming, of course. But you and I talked a little ju- just now before the show, Kenny, just a couple of minutes and said almost like a, the Masters is coming. We just had the players, the Honda, WGC get like a little mini hangover here with the Valero, but got a pretty good week ahead of us. DJ withdrew early. But before we get into that, we'll talk about the match play and everything you want to go over with there. How was your week and what, do you, what were your thoughts on the tournament? A little Billy Ho action, the Ho Train, taking it down.
2: Yeah, yeah, not not the best week. I mean, the thing is, like, all my guys that I was heavy on, like, lost in a playoff, trying to get into the uh <laughs> trying to get into the Sweet Sixteen. Like, I had a bunch of like, who was it? I had a bunch of um,
1: answer, answer Henry, Neiman, yeah. like, guys trying yeah. to do one, well, like, one putt at the very end. It just crushed me too.
2: Yeah, so I mean, so I mean, that's basically what happened. But that's match play. It's wild as fuck. I mean, you never know what's going to happen, and you could see this week. I think the highest ranked person in the final four was Scheffler, right? Uh, but I, I think nobody else was, everyone else was outside the top 25, I guess. Uh, one golfer in the top 16 advanced to the sweet 16. And uh, Like I said last week, it, it's a wild tournament. You know, just make your optimals and hope and pray. You know, that's basically the way it yeah. goes when it comes to match play. And, and, you know, this week it didn't work out the best for me, but uh, I, it was still fun watch. I think, like, I think they really need to, emphasize saturday like saturday is a really fun day for match play like sunday it sort of wears off you see everyone getting tired there's only a couple of matches you can't show golf every shot every minute but on saturday you know you get the sweet 16 and the elite eight there's a lot of golf everyone's still sort of fresh uh you know and and it was a lot of fun i mean you see fleetwood fleetwood blowing it that's that that screwed me for bets uh you know and, and then like uh, but I mean, anyways, it was it, it's a really fun watch on Saturday. You get a lot of good golf going. And I think they need to market that Saturday uh, a little bit better uh than what they do. I mean, Sunday, I mean, yeah, you're gonna get finals like that. Coacher like I mean uh, Billy Horschel and uh Scheffler. And I mean at least Scheffler had the home had the home field advantage thing going. Um but uh yeah, I mean, at least it wasn't like, you know, Billy Horse or Kuchar. I mean, Jesus, that would have sucked. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Man. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, what do you, you think of the event?
1: I've got a couple of thoughts. Yeah, I'm with you on a lot of that. Uh, like you said, they got extremely lucky to have almost the college showdown of the Gators. Versus Texas, you know Florida versus Texas feature because it would have been much worse. I mean Billy coming on. I'll give a quick shout out uh, Eric Patterson, EPAC, great guy. He Has a little newsletter there, the Quick Nine. Couple things about it. One, he brought this up is that you know a couple changes that could be made for match play. So I'm going to talk about that in a second, but also just made the point of like what you know essentially what could have been. Like we could have had much worse final when the guy like Billy Horschel is saying after the event, I feel bad for the fans that had to watch that at home. You you know something's wrong with the format. Like I said, it was
2: I, a great golf. On Sunday, i it mean sucked, I, right? See, it was yeah, it was windy out too, and yeah, tough it was tough it's, conditions. But I mean, like, what 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 are your what are your thoughts about changing it? What do you Well, like, do you think, I, like, I didn't,
1: better? I don't, ha- I didn't have a lot personally. Like, I, I've always been a big fan of this. There just needs to be a change. That's why I brought up EPAC because he had a couple good ones in there from some others, and then one of his own. I think some of these stand out. I'll get your thoughts. But he said one was, you know, they could, uh, you know, a lot of people talked about setting it up easier. So this was some outside feedback if they could set it up easier. Cause Sunday, nobody wants to watch that when it's windy out, can't control the weather, but then you go have these same pin placements and things and setups where it's like, you're, you're watching to see who makes bogey versus double bogeys or, or, you know, who doesn't go in the woods and all this type of stuff. So there's that factor of it. Again, it's the best in the world. They made it to the finals. I know there's going to be arguments for both sides, but I really like his idea. This is his idea. Can you hear this out? He said, basically you set it up so that day one, you play a stroke play event. The, the number one gets to draft who he plays against and then they play in a one-on-one format as it used to be single elimination, but that way you still get to see at least two days of all the best golfers. And if they go out, they go out, but not only did they get to play stroke play to find where they stand in the seating, they get to pick their opponent off who's left on the board when it gets down to them. And then you run it out single elimination after that, and then go into the same format. Sweet 16, elite eight, final four. And let's go. I thought that was a great idea. It's unique. It's still a lot of fun. It blends. It's more of a hybrid, but it can keep more golf fans interested. And then you should get a pretty good field on the weekend. Like these guys got to pick who they wanted to go against, whether it's off strength or weakness. Again, match play, anything can happen. But I kind of like that idea. What are your thoughts?
2: Uh, yeah, I don't hate it. That would, I guess it would fall into the same format then. You play 64, you play a stroke play event the first round. And so what, what are you saying? Like whoever is first in stroke play afterwards get the gets to choose who they play. Yeah. It'd be like and they get to pick who they go against. Seconds.
1: Yeah. There'd be I more mean, to
2: it, of course, but you could I then mean, have a the like, the little lottery is, system. It's so what whatever if, like, you want to do. People, what if like eight people are first with my, minus five?
1: Yeah. Just be, I'm sure like, that would just be a random. takes two seconds do to do a randomizer and say, look, y'all came first. It's like a draw out of a hat, like a playoff. You're tied for first. You're about to have a five man playoff here on Sunday. You, there's who goes first off the tee. It is what it is. There's going to be some luck, but it's still there's it, the way it is now is is fine. I just think at the same time something like that would make it a little bit more fun. I like the idea of it just because right now when it's you know Rom versus Palmer, two zero versus two zero. That's a great matchup. Let's see what's going to go down. Who's going to get to the Sweet 16, two buddies. There's a lot of, you know, storyline and, and theory that can go into that where you're getting a little bit excited for that type of matchup. But like you said, you got to have a way to hype up the weekend in some way, shape, or form. This was extremely bad. You mentioned it at the top, but just last thing is uh, Fleetwood was 21st ranked and Rom was third. That's the only two guys in the top 21. So realistically, the only guy in the top 20 to get to the Sweet 16 was Rom. After that, Fleetwood in 21st and then 30th or worse. And in the, in the final four, you had 31, 32, 30 and 52. So is what it is for us, you know, hardcore golf fans. That's exciting to go out and watch because you know, it's fine, but it really wasn't. I mean, like they, they called it a pillow fight on Sunday. It was, you know, two buddies. And then I don't know your thoughts on this, but that's going to be another thing where it's to each their own. But these guys were like best buddies in this final matchup. Like Billy Horschel literally gave the guy a 34 foot putt that's ludicrous and I don't care if it's just because the commentator said it or not the way Billy Horschel was lagging it at that time was very strong the the setup that he had that he had to make that putt with the wind with some uh, you know undulation there and that sort of thing it was not a gimme hole and Billy goes and makes the par and then he probably felt pretty bad about it but in the end he got the win so you know butterfly effect if you will but still I just thought that was crazy and buddy buddy is not always exciting in match play I like the Ryder Cup and you know President's Cup where there might be some laughs later on but it's a lot of you know, between you know, there's no camaraderie between them in the middle of the match usually.
2: Well, I mean, it depends on who plays. I mean, you saw a little bit of that with Kevin on Dustin Johnson. I mean, that was probably the biggest story uh, of the round robin play on Friday. And and one other thing going on, I sort of like to play, make it easier on Sunday. I'm a fan of that just because yeah. of how hard. Uh, how tired these guys must be. So I like that idea. Not so sure about the the setup that Eric was talking about. I mean, I, because the thing is like Friday and Saturday were a lot of fun to watch, man. Like it was great golf Friday and Saturday. I mean, you saw uh, guys trying to, you know, you, even guys who were out of it like Kevin Na doing some crazy ass fucking shit (laughs) to try and try and win even though hey we could talk about we can talk about let's segue
1: yeah let's segue with that and then also that's you know that's your epat hate right there because he was high on the the horse of he's against our boy kevin nah a little bit too you and you and i have been big kevin nah fans it's funny
2: funny. i don't have many i I love eric patterson i he's one of my favorite dudes online i mean if you if you guys know our relationship i mean when i left uh rick run site you know i Told rick to hire eric you know what i'm saying so i mean like so so I, I mean we have a good relationship it's funny we just differ in opinion a lot he's one of the few guys that i differ in opinion a lot with uh i don't know what it is but it's just the way it is with him <laughs> but uh, kenny but real, do real quick <laughs> real, real yeah. quick i had
1: a guy reach out to me today and say you know it's the anniversary of the kuchar versus sergio back and forth between you and kenny i hope we get that again on non-dj and i said honestly that, that's kind of funny you remember that but i said unfortunately uh, I don't think we're going to be on opposite sides on this one. Cause you and I were both pretty much on the same yeah. side of thinking everything, Kevin now, so you can tell him what happened. If they, for those that don't know, we're okay. living under a rock and missed it, but go ahead.
2: So like uh, DJ lipped out. I mean, and then it's not like he just went straight to the putt and picked it up. I mean, he like put his hand, you know, he looked down, casually walked to the ball after he lipped out, had about six inches and just scooped it up. Technically Kevin, Na didn't, tell him it was good yet uh when everyone knew you know it was good you know it was it was that same situation as Kucher and, and, and sergio uh except for the fact that um you know kevin didn't take the point like Kucher did so so it was definitely gamesmanship by kevin Nah and it was definitely kevin Nah enjoying being kevin Nah there's no doubt about that. I mean, the guy, I don't know. I think it was Jeff Heinberg who said he likes to hear Kevin not Kevin not likes to hear Kevin not speaking. That's, that's the truth. Okay. I mean, that's the truth when it comes to, when it comes to, I mean, that's who he is uh, probably one of the reasons why he's not the most well liked golfer in the Korean community, even though he has more wins than basically every other Korean out there. Uh, you know, uh, a lot has to do with the fact that, you know, he's not that humble. Let's just say that with the walk-in, you know, and stuff like that. You know, and, and Koreans sort of like that, like traditional Koreans. Me, myself, I'm a huge fan of what Kevin Ha does, okay? But uh, so, so basically what it was, it was just gamesmanship. Like, you know, he went up to, you went up to DJ. He was like, yo, DJ, I didn't tell you that shit was good. I mean, I'm not going to take the point. I'm not going to be that much of an asshole, but I'll be a little bit of a prick and tell you what the deal is. Uh, you should have waited for me. Even though, I mean, everyone knew the pot was good. Okay. Everyone knew this shit was good, but it was gamesmanship and sort of got in DJ's head. Uh, you know, I mean, he ended up losing the match. He ended up not uh, doing any media appearances after his, his Friday round when he was asked about it, uh, didn't say nothing about it. So it definitely worked. And that's the one thing I like about match play. I mean, you see that uh, in certain, in certain times of WGC events, you see it all the time in the Ryder cup. You know, that's why the Ryder cup is fun. Um, you you see gamesmanship. You see different types of angles from golfers you don't normally see in a stroke play event. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, as long as you don't take it over the line and be a fucking jackass like like Matt Kuchar. Um, now, when it comes to Kevin Nowell, he was just a slight jackass. I, I, I'm okay with that. I, it could be my Korean bias on this as well because I like Kevin Nowell. Uh, and so, you know, and, and and I think that, you know, that gamesmanship is something that is needed. Uh, you know, and you saw a little bit of it, I guess. I guess it wasn't really gamesmanship, but when Kuchar played Spieth. Uh, this this past week with the whole bringing the whole crowd to find his ball, you know, and then Spieth wasn't a really big fan of the ruling. I mean, that technically wasn't anything that Kuchar could have done, but I mean, still, it rattled Spieth a little bit, and Spieth ended up losing. Uh, stuff like that is fun to watch, and, and I was a fan uh, of the way that went, and, and I wasn't a fan of the of the of the uh, buddy buddy. I know everyone says it's a classy way to go, but this is like the one week where you don't have to be too classy. It's match play; you can you can rub your guy a little bit along the way, and I'll give you an example um you know when it comes to one-on-one sports i mean the mental factor of the game it's probably highlighted even more uh than when you do a stroke play event even go go golf is extremely mental uh an example of this was you know so i used to be like the uh top three nine ball player in blacksburg lynchburg and roanoke uh in my mid-20s uh and the thing is i've told this story before but people like hated playing my ass because the way I thought about it is I wanted people to hate playing me because it's, it's a one-on-one event, you know, and again, it's, it's a mental, mental factor. So like, you know, I would just get hammered. I would just get lit and I would play Guns N' Roses Welcome in the Jungle on repeat on the jukebox, like over and over again. And every single shot that I made, I made everyone know that it was, a, I made that shot. Now I wasn't negative to my opponent, when my opponent made a good shot, I told him good shot. Uh, when he made bad shots, I didn't say anything. It was just me boasting myself up. Uh, but people used to hate playing me because of this. I was called out a couple of times. I was put on probation in uh, the league because so many complaints against me playing. But it was it was it was actually a, a, something I did on purpose uh, to get inside people's heads um and and i know in golf it's supposed to be a little bit more gentlemanly and you get that 51 weeks out of the year uh 50 50 weeks out of the year the rest of the time but i mean when it comes to match play i like a little needling i like a little gamesmanship i like trying to get into people's heads that's what it should be about because that's what it it becomes so much more of a big factor uh in, in match play events um what do you what do you think about the situation
1: Oh, I thought it was fine. Everything you just said won't you know beat it to death. But yeah, the fact of it was definitely an angle, in my opinion, a little bit of investigative research. If you walk back, even on that latest video posted today, uh, DJ never looks at Kevin Nga once. He just took the ball. And I think, and you can almost see Kevin Nga do a double step, like a double take, where it was almost like he, he couldn't believe that DJ wouldn't at least look at him. And like you said, being sort of not very humble in general, it was kind of like he used that as an angle to then be like, oh, let me just dial this in. Let me get this three, my three footer for free here too. I won't take the point DJ, but I'm going to take this one. You can't do that. We'll move on. Get to this head. You could see DJ shrug him off like no other. You could read that. Oh, he was pissed. He was He was was pissed, bro. I'd never seen DJ like that before. He was pissed. He just looked at him like, "Who the fuck are you talking to?" Exactly, like, exactly, you know. Okay, that's
2: exactly what he looked like. The yeah, hand on, on the, the shoulder fuck, was the extra. Like, Who the fuck b- are you, yeah. dude? Who the fuck yeah. are you? That's exactly what I thought DJ was thinking, and it got in his head. And, uh, and, and yeah, yeah so right.
1: technically, it ended up working out. I mean, all the way through to no media appearances, he withdrew this week. Probably had something to do it. No, I'm kidding. Definitely had nothing to do with that. But I just, you know, that's yeah, no. a. The craziest thing was, like you said, it was just that angle that he could take. And and everyone does their own thing. You talked about one thing they mentioned earlier in the in the beginning rounds was Bubba versus Reed. And Bubba, you know, just friendly, happy-go-lucky. And they said on the broadcast, like it's getting in Reed's head because Reed wants to be that match play boss don't look at me, don't talk to me, it's me versus you, one-on-one, let's go, American versus American, wants to always prove himself for the Ryder Cup and things like that, so uh, we've seen it in matchups with Speeth, we've seen it in matchups with Justin Thomas, uh, or playing with them, I shouldn't say matchups, when he's paired with them, and he goes out and tries to just work them over him, you know, seen that plenty of times, and it was where they said Bubba was just in his head, right?
2: Doing the opposite, yeah, because he was being nice, I mean, I've done that with like ex-girlfriends before, who just want to fight, you know what I'm saying? And I know they're pissed off at me. And I yeah. just, you know, po- poker is another yeah, thing, you, mean, know, poker's yeah, you know, a mental I'm game saying, where right.
1: you needle them, you need, you get in their head a little bit, you angle them on the table, say something a different way where maybe you can get in their head. And next thing you know, they spew off all their chips to you. So it's just an example again, where, when it is this one-on-one factor, every, you know, every week, these golfers are up for themselves individually, which is great. We love it. But like you said, it's one week basically. That we see these, you know, guys get to go head to head like this and do your own thing. It's up to them how they want to be about it. But I would just love to see a little bit more of that, and uh, hopefully some motivation factors, you know, for this week when we get into talking about it. We can probably move on at that. Anything else for match play, Kenny?
2: I'm good, man. Let's get to um, the listening league winner. It was Jay Brandt twenty. It looks like a FTN Golf avatar. Um, you had Jordan Spieth at. Uh, only 11 percent owned of course he made it to i think the round of 16 he had 96.05 points john rom i think he made it to the elite eight if i'm not mistaken 32.64 point 32.64 percent owned 110.2 points hatton who lost in the uh, round robin 20 percent owned. 32 points harm would have made it pretty far Uh, i think elite eight um 18.75 percent on 110.3 points billy horschel the winner um, seven point seven point four seven percent on one hundred seventy two point one points, and Victor Perez, who was the I was a fan of last week. He's the one that saved me and actually helped me win a little bit of my money back. Uh, eight point three percent on one hundred fifty eight point four points. What'd you think?
1: Yeah, we loved Perez, man. We hyped him up because Sundog liked him. Remember Sundog liked him a couple weeks before when we talked yep. about that and how he grinded out the cut at the players to then finish top 10. So it yeah, made some that, sense. He needed
2: that win on, on Sunday to beat Kuchar to get the special temporary membership. But he'll be fine. He's so high up in yeah. the rankings that we'll be seeing him. Uh, we'll see him
1: pretty- lots, and he plays some damn good golf. So it's like you said, it's not. he's got a great team around him. Everyone that talks about him talks very highly. So expect to see a lot more of him. The, the lineup
2: was great. It was built he's correctly. He's got a pretty sweet swing, man. He's got to oh, be with his irons. It's a pretty sweet swing. I think you'll see him around. I mean, it's not like he's young. I think he's like 31. So he's not like, you know, a puppy, but uh, I think we'll still see him a bunch.
1: Yeah. And he could have done a lot worse in that matchup against Kucher. He was down quite a bit, did battle back and make it a little bit of a fight. So that was good to see. But yeah, overall, the lineup was good. I did a, uh, I do a lineup review show every week, Mondays on Roto Grinders, talking about, I know, 812 was sort of the high score that was seen out there. So 679 is a, a far cry from that, but it's good enough here in our tournament. And, <laughs> It was built correctly. The lineup's good. It's got Rom from Quadrant in the bottom right, Spieth top right, Hatton top left, uh, Horschel bottom low, and then the other two fit in for a 4-2 build that worked out. But uh, overall, just, you you know, Billy Horschel's the winner. That makes sense. Perez taking down the the DJ group and then moving on from there made sense there. Uh, And also the other nice thing about Perez we looked at today was just that they wouldn't have to meet up with the Hatton-Sergio type group until the end anyway. So kind of got a nice little path if you could get past DJ in that group, so overall nice lineup. We got Jay Brandt twenty. I saw him hop into the tournament of champions league with us. Uh, we'll have him in the three men this week, and then some other guys there: Primero, C. Gamble, L. Bullard, uh, JB in ninth. A couple good good guys that we know a lot about. So uh, you know, good to see them all upside in the in the top ten as well. Hopefully, they had some pretty good weeks and uh, go go from there.
2: Yeah. Also, a shout out to uh, I think his name's Ryan Cohen. Uh, he's been a um yeah follower of ours for a long time. Listens to uh, uh, our pod all the time. I think he took down like 20 grand or something. He won first 25 place G's. War. I think yes. Yeah, was huge. Uh, so, so shout out to him. Always a long time listener. So always happy when long time listener wins a bunch of money. Let's go into this week. Golfers on the PGA tour moved to Texas this week to play the Valero Texas open from TPC San Antonio, Texas open one of the oldest tournaments on tour. Uh, it's been played at TPC San Antonio since 2010. Uh, it consistently ranks as one of the 10 hardest courses on tour, but can play a bit easier in pristine weather conditions. Uh, The course was designed by Greg Norman in 09. He was going through a divorce uh, at the time. So, you know, it could be a reason why he made the course so difficult. Um, uh, It's very long. It's very difficult. The par fives are especially long with most being close to 600 yards. Uh, The average score for the par fives here since 2010 is 4.9 strokes, which is the highest of any course on tour. Uh, the weather usually plays a factor as high winds are the norm. Looking at the forecast, it looks like there could be some high winds Wednesday on Thursday morning. Uh, there could be a wave advantage the first two rounds. Uh, in 2015, there was a four to five stroke difference between the morning wave and the afternoon wave of the first day. Uh, so, you know, of course, pay attention to that. Uh, the forecast isn't concrete. It's a Monday afternoon when we're doing this pod. Uh, so you make sure you check on that closer to the lock. Uh, that's actually going to affect my cash game cornerstones this week. This will be the one week where, Uh, I could possibly change them uh, just because if you, if I do see a crazy wave advantage, uh, you know, I'm I'm probably going to change them. So you can check my article on Wednesday uh, to see my final cash game cornerstones. We'll see if it changes. Um, You know, a a lot of Australians tend to do well here Uh, in interviews. Many of them say that TPC San Antonio reminds them of of courses back in their home country. It makes sense. You know, Greg Norman was the uh, designer. So it definitely makes sense. Uh, so, So get to the main part of the course. Uh, TPC San Antonio 7,435 yard par 72 with four par threes and four par fives. Only one par five is reachable by all Uh, 58 bunkers on the course and water hazards on three holes off the tee golfers will face tree line fairways to get more narrow the farther away from the tee box you go uh, with large bunkers in play. Uh, Native areas will play a big factor. Speaking of Kevin Nile, he had that 16 here uh, on number nine a few (laughs) years ago. Uh, These native areas consist of desert, brush, trees, and rocks. Uh, Golfers need to avoid these areas or get lucky uh, when they do hit it into them uh, to succeed this week. Uh, These fairways are some of the toughest on tour to hit as only around 56% of tee shots land in the short grass. Uh, the rough is usually thick and long here, but it's possible they keep it a little shorter this week to be to mimic conditions in Augusta. It's something to pay attention as you go throughout the week. Um, on approach shots, golfers will see average-sized greens that are multi-tiered with a lot of undulation. Uh, like Augusta National, the edges around the greens are closely mowed, so many approach shots that just miss will lead to tricky up-and-downs from different collection areas or bunkers. Uh, only around 57 of a, 57% of approach shots land on the green, so getting it up and down from off the greens will be very important. Uh, the greens are usually firm with a stint meter rating of around 11 and a half, but it's possible they speed them up a little bit for the masters next week. Uh, the grass used is uh, Bermuda grass overseeded with Benton rye. Uh, what are you looking for this week? Tamo?
1: Yeah. You just talked about it a little bit there. A lot of the things you mentioned, actually, I was thinking of the weather is a huge factor. Certainly. I mean, this is a spot where definitely wave stacks are in play. So keep an eye on that stuff for sure. Like Kenny mentioned all around golfers hitting the fairways key. You mentioned the, around the green game, the touch, there is important just because not a lot of greens are hit anyway so anybody that can dial it in there but you can go off like you know cory connors did last year and, and just be a ball striking phenomenon as well and, and never have to worry about that and then you're all good just got to make some putts down the stretch right so uh, for me that's it for the most part obviously we got a little bit of i'm not sure uh we can segue into that before we get into the upper tier kind any thoughts on these guys coming back from Punta Cana? like we we didn't talk about the Joe little uh, the Corrales, oh, there's a and- lot of guys in this tournament that played in the Corrales that actually played some pretty good golf that are even cheaper in this field in some instances that, uh, you know, we'll see play here right away. Now, in yeah, Texas. I'm, not,
2: I'm not too worried about that. What is it like a two hour difference? I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not stressing that at all. The only person I might worry about if let's go up to the top range is going to be Scheffler. Uh, if he's a little bit tired playing that many days in a row, that many matches. Uh, I, I could I could maybe worry about him a little, but no one else I'm really paying attention to uh about that. I'm just gonna go about it as a normal week. Yeah. All right, okay, so cool. let's get let's get to this top range. We got Hideki, Scotty, speeth and Finas. This is DJ withdrew. Who are you going
1: uh, yeah, it's hard for me. I don't know. speeth's a new favorite here, so I get sort of the betting angle since I think his number is similar to where it was this morning when people woke up similar to his number at the masters, which is pretty crazy considering the field strength, but uh, you know, I don't know for, for DFS. I don't know if he's going to be popular or not. I knew this morning when I first looked at it, that with DJ in the field at 11, eight, it would make it a little bit more uh, different for how people are setting up their lineups and whatnot. But I guess uh, Scheffler, you know, the Texas fan love last week was definitely something there. So uh, if you actually watch the match play, it wasn't just like him getting lucky and winning holes and, you know, getting easy matchups. He actually played some incredible golf, much like one guy we'll talk about later, Mr. Matt Kuchar. But uh this price is high. And if it's he's going to be popular, I could definitely see fading him. Because of that, I don't really play decky. You know this, when he's five figures, just doesn't have enough upside. You know, if you relate it to different sports in DFS, it's almost like the, you know, the cash game play where you could just play him to get your made cut and top 30th or whatever. But is he going to come through when there's, guys around him it's then it depends on if the others do but if people aren't going to play now just because he's 11k I kind of like the you know I talk about this all the time but paying up for probability if I'll get low ownership on now because of that 11,000 then I'll definitely still play him regardless of what's happened the last couple times or whatever that you know for the grand scheme of things he's been doing pretty damn good and I like his upside this is you know he needs a win this would be a field where he could win he's got the all-around game his around the green game touch is typically very strong so even if he is for some reason missing greens and not hitting them I, i've got him as the next best up in that top five figure range to dustin johnson who's no longer here so uh certainly still interested in now myself
2: yeah i like spieth uh the guy's just been on an upward trend i mean you know and the thing is i don't think he's gonna look past this week for the masters because he hasn't had a win in fucking forever and this could be a good choice good chance for him to do so you know stalled around the greens uh and he could put his ass off in his iron game's great Uh, I think the last three winners were like first, first, and second in strokes game approach for the week um, at Valero. So, you know, his iron game has been extremely strong. Uh, I think top five in the world in the last, I don't know, month and a half, two months. So uh, I like Spieth. Uh, I think I'll play Fina if the ownership's low. Uh, If not, I'll probably, like you, if not, I'll probably just stick with Spieth up top uh, this week. In the 9K range, I'm going to go over a couple of cash game cornerstones I do have this week. First is going to be Corey Connors. Uh, is he the defending champion? It, it was skipped last year, right? Yeah, so well, guess-
1: he's technical. he's the uh, the Roy McIlroy of the players is the Corey Connors of the Valero, the 2019 edition.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I guess he is the uh, the defending champion. I mean, all of all the metrics say that he should do well again here. I mean, he's coming back to a place he's won before. His form has been extremely strong. Iron game, one of the best in the field. Uh, tee the green awesome lots of birdies really good off the tee and i think his off the tee game is great because he's he blends accuracy with not being too short i mean he's not like super long uh but he's not too short uh and, and he's accurate off the tee i think he's uh what i think he's uh, a six in strokes game or a fourth in strokes gain off the tee in this field in the last 40 rounds last 50 rounds he's also really good on par four scoring you're going to need to get a lot of birdies uh score well on the par fours because the par fives are difficult here, so I do like Corey Connors uh, as my first cash game cornerstone. Another one, I'm going with Charlie Hoffman, uh, who's had good form as well. He, he struggled a little bit on the weekend and corralled, uh, but was good the first couple of days. I don't think he's missed a cut here, I think he's 13 for 13. So I'm definitely going a little bit on course history when it comes to Hoffman. And you know, his ass wants to play in the Masters so he could be first round leader. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so, so I like those two guys as my cash game cornerstones. And then I like Ryan Palmer uh, a little bit, uh, if the wind picks up again another birdie maker scores a lot of drafting points good in the wind i don't know how popular he'll be we'll see uh so i like palmer who do you like
1: yeah i wonder if this range like i feel like it just gets peppered with plays because it reminds me almost of the players much different field strength jt was 9.9 9 at the players but if you remember that range at the players was jt cantley Finao, webb you name it in that 9k range here a little bit different but i don't like people just don't love Finao matsuyama don't win Speeth is polarizing. People don't always go to him. Scheffler. There's a lot of conversation around, you know, the match play and him just being there last week and going through that mental grind to come in second. So who knows, but I feel like answer gets popular. Here. So I was wondering, sort of your take on that. I'm with you on Connors Hoffman. I like Palmer, but I, I like Tringali. I, I'm going to stick with them. I know that, you know, people don't like playing them at certain prices and knew, I, I forget what his ownership was when he was 9,100 a couple weeks ago, but he still came through and had himself a pretty good week. And I could even see starting some lineups with like Tringali and Hoffman, to be a little bit different and just fade some of those guys up above. If you don't feel like they've got the win equity there and go down from there. But yeah, for the most part, it's going to be Connors answer, Tringali with Hoffman. Those are the four in this range.
2: All right, let's move to the AK range. I go with my third cash game cornerstone. It's going to be Chris Kirk who's played this course pretty well throughout his career. A couple top tens. Uh, He's been playing pretty good golf, really good around the greens, really good on par fours. Um, Tita green. He's been solid. Uh, So I like Chris Kirk as my third cash game cornerstone. I sort of like Lanto. Uh, this week as well, uh, I know it's a little bit pricier. He's not under six K like we, we like he is when we, we really wanted to play him. But his iron game has been really strong here lately. Tenth in the field in the last twelve rounds, um, in, in uh, strokes and approach. The most, the majority of the approaches in this in this uh, on this course, I think almost 50% go, go from 150 to 200 yards. He's good on both good on par four scoring. So I like Lanto and I like cam uh, Davis, the Aussie narrative that I talked about a little bit earlier against strong iron play, a 14th in proximity from a um, hundred. Actually, let me go back real quick. Uh, 28th in proximity from 150 to 175 yards and 7th from 175 to 200 yards. Really good in the range I'm looking for, really strong off the tee. Uh, his around the green game uh, is a little something to be, you know, worried about, but hopefully he hits enough greens to do okay. And I like uh, Zach Johnson. Uh, again, he's been playing pretty good golf, good history here. Uh, you know, cut maker, I, I sort of like him as well.
1: Yeah, any thoughts? We, we skipped this guy in the 9K. I'll just hit you up real quick on this. Uh, Matt Kuchar, last week, i would just say one thing. I guess, you know, he didn't really, uh, you know, has he hasn't been performing. It's obviously his format. As you know, I think it was, the, they showed the graphic 20 times of how he's now tied with Tiger for the most times making the semis or whatever, uh, but going on to get third place. So uh, any thoughts on him? Because he did have to beat some decent opponents and he had to play right out of the the million time, the millionth time now, the quote-unquote group of death. He had to play his way out of that. To get on to where he got to, so any any thoughts on Kucher at nine k in this field?
2: I don't know about Kucher. I just you know just because he's in his last what dozen starts on stroke play events, I don't think he has a single top twenty. And at that price, I don't know if I want to risk it. If he was cheaper, like yeah. 800, seven eight hundred, seven nine hundred, I'd probably be in, uh, but probably not at that price.
1: Yeah, I like the guys below him too. That's why I asked. I was going to say just what you said. The nine k seems like it's kind of interesting in last week, but. Uh, You know, if you want to take that angle, but at the same time, where's the upside, right? I'd rather play some of these boomer bust plays, a guy like Siwoo Kim, uh, if you look at his overall stats, they just have been incredible across the board for last 50 rounds, you know, 10th ball striking second around the green, which is important. Fourth bogey avoidance. If that wind picks up anything like that, we should be in a good spot here with him. I uh, love the Lanto call though, that you mentioned, I guess here's the biggest thing on Lanto is Like you said, people always want to talk about the under six K or under seven K, as long as he's 6,900 or less the Rick run good rule. And that's great. Uh, and it made sense for a long time, but he's beat that out now. Like if you look at his last five events, 35th is his worst, but 35th, 21st, 22nd, 26th, and 7th. And these are the tournaments he played in. The players, the API, WGC Mexico, the Genesis, and the farmers. So you you talk about those. I'm putting done for all the farmers insurance over all these ones. You know what I'm talking about, but these are much tougher fields. So for him to be 8,700 here, he's better than this field for the most part. And I think that could be a really solid play in the 8K range there. Cam Davis is a guy I'll always play just because If he makes the cut, the upside is huge. Even when he finishes in, here's the example, him and Kucher. That's why I won't play Kucher here is because Cam Davis, if they, if they both make the cut, they could finish in the same spot on the leaderboard, but Cam Davis will have him beat by 10 to 15 points, just the way he scores. So that's why you're playing Cam Davis there and not Kucher in my mind. If Kucher bites me, then that's fine. You know, I'll I'll go with him. Chris Kirk. I like your call ZJ. I really like a lot of this range. Keegan Bradley. uh, The only one I'm going to bring it up to is uh, Ricky Fowler. And the only reason I'm going to bring it up, I'm definitely going to play him. I have to, just a, a personal thing here. But uh, when Ian Poulter needed to make the Masters by winning, remember the points mess up and he had to go win the Houston Open to get in over Bo Hossler in the playoff? That was my biggest DFS week ever. And it was all motivation factor. And what? It, and we know what happens here. There's, you know, the Masters is all set. It's all buttoned up. There's one potential spot remaining. And that's if somebody wins this tournament that's not already in the Masters. So who knows what Ricky Fowler will do, but at 8,100, make the cut, give me some upside. He's been way off. I get it. But finally a field that is like really weak that, that you could just see it happen. So like what uh,
2: upside There's no way I'm playing Fowler. The dude, that dude, he's he's on another spiral like Spieth, and I have, it's I have to, to, totally I, different when there's motivation have, involved. Though this I have, have to play. see something from him. I'm not playing his ass. There's no fucking way. Well, if um, we
1: all waited to see something from him, that's when he bites you again the next week when he's twenty percent. When everyone says, "Okay, now I'll jump on board," so I'd rather wait.
2: His... I, yeah, but the guy sucks ass. There's no way I'm fucking playing him. He's horrible. Yeah, no, no he, one's playing. He's horrible. Yeah, he's horrible. A hundred twentieth in approach in his last. Fifty rounds in this field, 108th in putting, uh, 114th in proximity from 175 to 200 yards. Um, yeah, no, thank you. There's something about it. This is
1: this was where Poulter was at the same time, and everyone said that he was like four percent. Yeah, but now. he wasn't. He, he wasn't
2: playing him. like dog shit like fucking Fowler. There's no fucking way I'm playing. Good luck to you. <laughs>
1: Yeah, It's a Good motivation luck. factor. I'll certainly be playing him. I, I don't, I don't know, but, but there's not a lot of other guys here, right? Like I don't really want to play Hadwin. I don't want to play Joel Damon off the win. By the way, congrats to Joel Damon. That was a huge win. And I think that was an interesting topic as well, because everyone's always talked about how he's only in it for the money and whatnot. And it certainly, look, I mean, obviously got a nice little paycheck there and gets to stay on tour for a while and keep playing for big money. Only thing I think you said he missed out on was the master's invite, but I mean, he can get his own. Maybe he's the play here at 8,200, hundred bucks more than Ricky for a guy that wants to get a master's invite. Coming off a win, he might still be hung over, though, for all we know. Yeah. But I mean, I don't, understand.
2: I don't understand why people hate on people trying to just make money. I mean, fuck it, it's a job. <laughs> your goal is to make money. I got no problems with that. Do your thing. You know, I, I like his quote: treating treating this like, uh, you know, hopefully he has more wins, but he's, he's celebrating like this is his last because yeah. it definitely well could be. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I do. I mean, he's made seven million dollars. He wants to support his family. He's doing this thing. I got no problem with that shit. Good for him. Yeah. Um, let's move on to the 7K range. I like Brandon Grace at 7,800. Coming off a win a few weeks ago, pretty good in the wind. pretty good in tough conditions, tough courses, uh, never really highly owned. Uh, so I like him uh, at this range. Um, I like uh, my final cast game cornerstone. It's going to be – I'm, I'm going to go all the way down to the bottom and just go with it. It's going to be Chase Seifert. Uh, with three top 20s in his last four events. I think four top 20s in his last six events. His Iron game has been exceptionally strong. He's making a bunch of cuts. He plays well in the wind, at least he has recently. Uh, So, My cash game cornerstones for this week are going to be uh, Corey Connors at 9,700. Charlie Hoffman, I'm sorry, Corey Connors at 9,500. Charlie Hoffman at 9,200. Chris Kirk at 8,600. And Seifert at 70 100 sleeves well over $15,000 to finish out your lineup but then again like I said earlier this could change uh, if there is a massive wave advantage that we can see uh Wednesday night uh, I might change this so make sure you check my article out this week on Wednesday other guys do like in this top range uh Willett he's been playing decent golf kind of leading up I could throw him in there I could throw Wallace in there the two euros that never really get played uh that often uh, I think uh, those are those are the three guys up top that I might focus on. I'm tempted uh, with Harold Varner, tempted with Ryan Moore, but just because of his course history, but Moore really hasn't been playing that great of golf. Uh, so I'm not really 100% sure how I'll go with those guys. Uh, but, the, but the three non-US players, Grace, Wallace, and Willard, are guys i play up top. Oh, and Putnam. I like Putnam. He's he he's been playing good golf. Uh, and so another guy who never really garners too much ownership, relies a lot on his putter, uh, but that's just who he is. Uh, and it's another guy I'll be picking up uh, in this top range. Who do you like?
1: I feel the guys that you mentioned there the same. I just want to go back and see one thing right quick, but yeah, the, uh, the guys you mentioned were are good. The Euro players, especially like, so grace Wallace will it, especially if it's going to be harder conditions, a little bit windier, that sort of thing we saw, I believe it was Andrew Landry picking up here in that type of uh setup. And he's sort of that same play. We saw him come out, at uh, one of the majors there where it was windy and everything and do his thing, grind it out. That's what those guys do. So they would certainly be in play for that. I do like HV3 regardless of anything at the price, 7,900. I think he can play pretty good in the wind. All of his numbers, the around the green game is great. Doesn't make a lot of bogeys or, or huge mistakes. You know, It's usually one or two holes, but at 7,900, he's got plenty of, uh, plenty of upside there at that price. Uh, another guy though, I'm going to take this because they called it, uh, this is the nickname they had for Kuchar. I think it was Spieth called him the Smiling Assassin. But I I think of, I always say this about Sebastian Munoz, the guy's just always smiling, but he's taking shit down and crushing or doing well. And he didn't have the best match play set up, but he was in in the same tier there with Rom. But overall, if you look at his stats over the last while, they've been, they've been solid. I could play some of him, uh, maybe some Benny on, he's another guy really not showing us much lately, but if you want to take a page out of the Corey Connors book back in 2019. That's the kind of thing we would have to see here with him. EVR, if he's not too gassed, he got out of his group there last week, looked pretty good. The, the other two for me are Johnny Huh, Johnny question mark, just continuously goes overlooked on in PGA DFS in general. And 7,400, it's again, it's just a play where he's going to be your fourth or fifth guy in. It's not going to kill you. And then Seaweed Doug, we've been following this guy for quite a while now and, and liking his play. And he's never done anything to steer me off of him. You look at his numbers. He actually rates out quite well in this field last 50 rounds a really solid in ball striking approach around the green DK scoring birdie or better, you know, hits fairways, all, all the stats do line up. Uh Chase Sievert. You, you called that one already. I like that. Matthew Neesmith stick with him, ball striking, hitting fairways. Uh, Matt Neesmith is a guy and then Seb Straka too. Seb Straka played really well last week uh, in Punta County. He definitely burned some people on Sunday with a 72 there, but uh, he played some pretty good golf. Uh, I was going to mention though, what I just talked about with Neesmith. Him, I guess we're getting into the six K range. Anybody else you want to talk about in the 7K range, Kenny? Otherwise, I'll go. Yeah, I like
2: seaweed, range. Doug, just like you. I think Adam Long is playing a little bit better golf than he has uh, in just the beginning of the season. I think he's coming up. I think he's someone that's going to be very low-owned that you can go on uh, here. Pat Kazir, same another guy who's possibly going to be low-owned that you can play here. Uh, Harry Higgs, another guy. So I, there's guys in this lower 7K range that I definitely like. I, but those are those are four of them uh, that I do like in this lower 7K range. Why don't you go to the 6K Tampa?
1: Yeah, I like the long call that you've got there too. I missed him, but definitely in the in on that. Uh, I've heard a little bit of love for chapel since he's the the former winner here and whatnot. But the only Kevin story that I could remember from here was the one you mentioned earlier back in 2011, the 16 that Kevin knockhearted. So (laughs) not not too, not too high on chapel there. You took that one from me earlier. I had to bring it back up, but Tom Lewis, another guy you talked about up above there with like Wallace and, and uh, grace, Willett, those type of guys, Tom Lewis, the guy that goes overlooked quite a bit. I think he'd be interesting. Uh, Roger Sloan. Canadian guy, bring him up. There was a lot of Canadian love here. I'll get into it a little bit more here, but uh, him and Whaley, the other guy, Vincent Whaley down here at 6,100. He's a little sleeper that's on a bit of a run. 15th at the Puerto Rico Open, 36th at the Honda with some nice stats across the board. And then 28th last week was one of the better rounds on really Sunday. Really good
2: Sunday. Yep. He, I had him Which was in the room. wind.
1: And I was going to say, if, if you're following that and you think there's going to be some wind here, I mean, he's probably fine either way. If you look at a guy like Troy Merritt, he had a decent week over at Corrales, but a very rough Sunday in the wind. So it kind of be the opposite. And then I got to bring up my guy. Me and we were talking about over the weekend. Michael Glidjic. Wow, we played this guy forever. I was so happy to see he didn't get the win. Not that I'm cheering against him. He's another Canadian brethren. But uh, you know, if we missed him, I would have been pissed. And, and he played really well in Punta Cana. And then our boy Kenny. We've had these K H Lee Adam Svenson battles in the past. He's not here. I, I don't at least don't think he is. I'd have to look it up. He's definitely not here. Just let me check. Who? But K H Lee. No, Adam Svensson, I think KH Lee's here, but we've had these battles, but Adam Svensson, by the way, won on the Corn Fairy Tour last week. You and I went back and forth on him versus KH Lee, and he is the first Canadian Corn Fairy Tour winner since Michael Glidic back in 2019. So got to have a little love here for my guy, Michael G down at 6,200. Who do you got in the 6K range?
2: I'm playing Campos. I can't believe his putt didn't go in. Oh, my God. On, uh, uh, that was just brutal. Like, he had the fist pump ready, and it's the last second. That thing just broke left and lipped out. I felt so bad for him. So, I'm going to play him this week. Hopefully, uh, he can go off on his second-place finish uh, and, and do pretty well. Again, another guy who's pretty good in the wind. Um, so, I'll play Campos. I'll play Grayson Sig, another guy who played pretty well uh, last week. I do like your Tom Lewis call. Uh, I will play him. I like your Roger Sloan call um I you know I'll play him um uh, uh, a little bit of um you know I might play a little Whaley is Whaley in the field I'm looking for him where is he yeah at? man he's 6100 he's free okay oh yeah no, definitely I like him I, I like that guy I think I think he can play well so I, I I'm with you uh, on those guys for this week anybody else we miss
1: uh one more Bo Hogue. I was on him a couple of weeks ago This guy, when we were talking Jack Nicholas and his dad, or his grandfather and his connection there. But if you look at his stats and just go back to it again, like this is Fratelli 2.0. I played Fratelli at 8,200. He destroyed me, crushed all my best lineups. I had some amazing five out of six lineups with Fratelli only for him to go on and just crush in the, in the wet match play and be in all the optimal lineups and whatnot. In the end, even though he didn't get super far, he did enough on those first couple days, the way he scored. And I think he won six and five or something and just crushed. But anyway, Bo Hogue, if you go across the board, just doesn't make very many bogeys, hits fairways, decent around the greens, like pretty much everything that would line up here. So he's not one of my favorite plays or anything. I just think it's just one dimension for, we always talk about flop lag in DFS, a guy that you're on sucks. And then you don't play him the next time out. And he comes back and crushes you. That would be a very prime candidate and did pretty well at the Amex, the Farmers, the Genesis, the API, uh, had some decent stats at the players and just didn't come through. And then again, same thing at uh, the Honda, really just didn't have a short game for one week and just missed. So yeah, I can go back to him at 6,400 as well.
2: All right, let's get the bets for this week. I'll go first. It's gonna be a lighter card this week. I'm gonna try and save my wad for uh, the masters. So I got Chris Kirk at 43 to one. Uh Cam Davis at 47 to one, Lanto Griffin at 65 to one, and Chase Seaford at 150 to one. Tambo.
1: Yeah, I got these, and they didn't go down that much, but I got them before the DJ withdraw, but I had Scheffler. At 18, I'm, like I said, I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet with him at, in, in DFS, see what people are doing up at the top there. But I, I feel pretty good about him still. Like I said, just watching him and play and, and how well he played and with fans and things like that were there with him. It just felt like he was just really solid. We have, we've seen a lot out of him. So 18 to one on him. I got answer at 25 because I just like that number. And I, I've been playing answer. So I'm going to stick with it. it. Reminds me of he now of old, just betting him and never winning. But uh, Davis, who you mentioned, I got him 55 with a T5 each way. Grace, who you mentioned earlier, but I'm not, I'm not sure if you're betting, but 75 with the T5 each way. And then Munoz, 80 with the T5 each way. That's my five that I got right now.
2: All right, nice. One and done. I'm probably going to go Connors, Kirk, Davis, Orlando. Yeah, I'm
1: similar path. Uh, Connors and Davis were on my list. Siwoo, uh, Kirk was up there. Keegan Bradley. Uh, just some, some guys, that, like I said, maybe I'll go Ricky and just use them up easy.
2: <laughs> good luck you're gonna lose you're gonna be in last place <laughs> yeah, that's not hard to do
1: for me and one and done so we'll, we'll take that but uh yeah that's it for me all
2: right well you can find me on twitter at kendo vt you can find my article every week uh on GupchCorner.com. like i said on wednesday i'll update uh my cash game cornerstones uh i will have my favorite dfs plays i'll have my favorite bets all logged in uh, on there and make sure you check out my twitter feed for some promos for gubscorner.com so make sure you check it out tambo
1: yeah you guys know where to find me on twitter at toteg and tambo Hit me up there if you have any questions or in the Grinders Discord, same name. Head on over to rotogrinders.com slash dgen. Get yourself 10 bucks off the first month. We got the Tuesday show with Noto and Cards. Got the Wednesday show going over Lineup HQ, setting up all our rosters. We'll have a lot better idea by Wednesday evening where the ownership's at, what the common build types are, and how we can maybe build around again. It is a game of beating your opponents, so we're trying to find any way and edge possible that we can utilize to do so.
2: All right, so six more sleeps until Augusta. It's almost that time. But first, we have the Valero Texas Open. So let's win some motherfucking money. Degeneration. Nation.
0: Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church VA 844-759-7732.